0: bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy May be full. The Lord will bless that reading of his word. But let's just buy in a word of prayer. Father we just come in the worthy and precious name of your son the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you Father for him. For every remembrance of him. We thank you for all that he's done on the cross of Calvary. We thank you for his precious shed blood. We now ask you Father that all those who are coming on now live watching. Whether it be by Facebook or YouTube. We pray, Lord, that you would bless them as they're sitting at home watching. Bless them until, Lord, we can even meet again under this roof and encourage them, encourage them through thy word and by thy spirit. We pray, Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you would even draw someone that would watch live or later, draw them by the power of your spirit to the cross and save someone's soul. Save souls, Lord. Restore the backslider. Encourage your people. Lift them up that are down, Lord, and heal Those who are hurting. Those who are unwell, Father, we pray for your hand to be upon them and your touch to be with them. And so, Father, to that end, we give you glory and we ask you now to hide me, a man of frailty and weakness, behind the cross. Lord, let your word alone be heard, and not mine. And, Father, we ask, Lord, that after this, may Christ alone be seen. For Jesus' name's sake, I ask it, and for his glory. Giving you thanks. Amen. So, John is writing this epistle for a purpose. Obviously, it's for us to read, to encourage us. It lets us know more about the things of God. And he's writing this but for a purpose because at this time, there were people called Docetic Gnostics. Docetic Gnostics, and they were infiltrating the the young church. And the the young early church was being, uh, if you want, it was being turned nearly on its head at times with every wind of doctrine, because they were hearing these things coming in from people called the docetic Gnostics. Now, whenever we think of John writing this, John wasn't on his own in thinking about the Gnostics and what they were doing or or capable of. And I want you to see how even the, the, the very thought pattern, the godless thought pattern of these people came right the whole way down into our society today. For example, in the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul, he's writing uh, to the, the church at Colossae, and, and he is writing that because of the Gnostics that are there. And you see, the Gnostics were in different groups. For example, you had the ascetic and then you had the uh, Ascetic Gnostics. And what they really did was they, they then split into other compartments, if you want, other groups as well. And what they really were pushing, and hence Paul writing Uh, the book of Colossians. What they pushed were two things. One was, how can the work of creation be explained? We see it today, don't we, in science. We see it today, people uh, on these science books, how there was a supposedly big bang, how nothing was contracted to something and the nothing that was contracted to something exploded on its own and became everything. And that takes great faith to believe that. I think it takes more faith to believe that than to believe that Christ died for us. But nevertheless, here, one of their, their thoughts were, was that how can the work of creation be explained? And so materialism started to come into their ideology, into their thought life. And then secondly, it was, how can we account for the existence of evil? You hear that today, don't you? Well, if God is so good, what about this evil? They forget the evil works of men's hearts. They forget the evil works of men who are in position in in, in the very monetary systems of the the elite bankers. They forget about those who are in regimes in different countries around the world and how they're they're taking from the people and the people are under servitude and under bondage. and, And that evil is in the world. But if God is sovereign over all, then they say, why is this allowed to happen? And, you know, that is a study all in itself. But the reason why they are saying this is because they're saying materialism, i.e. creation in the world is so evil. How can it ever be reconciled to God who is holy? Because God who is holy would have nothing to do with creation that is evil. Now, if they really were to take that logic and think about it, and think about it in the sense of Christ and his cross that God came down, in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, walked the scene of time and he lived a life they couldn't keep and he he paid for their evil, That, that is, the very depraved nature of the flesh, the very sins that we commit. If they would think about this, that God alone could do it because it's outside their mentality. That's why we can't explain everything. And I know in Isaiah 45 and verse 7, the Lord says, I create light. Then he says, and I also create evil. So I see God creates evil, but reversing back into glory before there was an earth, before there was a fall of Adam, there was uh, an archangel there. Isaiah 14 will tell you this and, uh, and other places in the scriptures. And there God created Lucifer and he, he fell and he, we know him as Satan today. But God created him as a good being. He created him with a will, and that's what happens if men say it's up to our own will. Man's will is fallen after, not just Lucifer, but along the seed line of Adam. Adam's race has fallen. Their hearts have become wicked. Look at the days of Noah. Violence filled the earth, and every thought of man uh, was, was only evil or wicked all the time. And so these, these Gnostics, they were wanting to know how, Since everything is materialistic and everything is evil, how can God, who is holy and high and lofty and above all others and above all else, how can he and his holiness have anything to do with this present evil world? Well, we know in the gospels that he sent his son to die for us into this present evil world. That's, a, that's more glorious than, if they think about that, it's more glorious than anything they could ever understand. You see, the difference is here that someone like you and me, and before we were saved, Christian, before we were blood-bought, and before we knew Christ as our Lord and Savior, you know, we were in the world, we would have thought nothing of how we live, the things we get up to, and not much of a conscience, I would say, uh, no conscience before, toward God, maybe a little toward fellow man if they were hurt or injured. I don't know, maybe none. And the thing about this is, is that whenever we read John here in First John, he's writing against such enemies of the church. Now we're living in it. We're living against such enemies of the ecclesia, that is the called out church. Here, here John's letter is so relevant to us today. So relevant. And so what these Gnostics said was, how can we work out, uh, or or how can uh, creation be explained, and how can we uh, account for, for evil, or the existence of evil? And so this is some of the things that John deals with. This is some of the things that Paul was dealing with. So he writes to the Colossian church, and he comes and he puts deity, holiness into humanity, And whenever he says that it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And then he says that that in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And Paul also then brings it into his humanity on the cross. The reconciliation of him taking our sins and the evil and us taking his righteousness. Saying that he had spoiled all principalities and powers when he hung on the cross. See, the gospel is self-explanatory and God has given us the word that you and I might be fortified in our faith. This isn't just some thing where, oh, well, it's just a book made up by man. No, this book has been inspired and is written by the hand of man, but inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And notice here, it's still alive today. It's the living word of the living God. So what these uh, 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 Gnostics said, especially in the asceticism or the ascetic Gnostics, they said there's two groups here. Either we try and control all materialistic carnal passions and we live our lives the best we can to live. They wouldn't have used maybe holy, but they would have used maybe to live a cleaner life. That's even today. People are thinking, I'll clean up my act. Oh, well, I'll maybe trust in Jesus if, if I clean up my act, if I get my ducks in a row, as it were, and I do my right things and give up my vices and, and all these type of things. When, when really the gospel calls us to come to the cross in repentance, right in your sin, he calls you out of it when he makes you alive the Christ. And so these ascetic Gnostics, they had two groups. One said, materialism is all evil. Subdue all materialism. And so they tried their best to live life. There's even religious systems that are like that too. Religious systems would have us, as it were, flog ourselves. Religious systems, we can see different systems of different world religions. We see even certain sects of Islam where they they cut themselves with knives on their heads and on their children's heads and the blood is pouring out of them, shedding blood to try and please Allah. Yet our God, Jehovah, He he came down and he took on a body of flesh and shed his blood that we might be saved, that we might be forgiven, that we might be cleansed from all of our sin. that we might be true and pure and holy, taking his righteousness. And that's who we are in this world. Not perfect. We're not sinless, but sometimes we could sin less. Notice this. The other grouping was this. One was that stoicness, that asceticism was where they, they, they tried to uh, keep everything uh, that was material as if it was evil away from their presence. Some of them lived on a, on a meager diet. We hear of that too, where they took very little to eat. They became very thin and emaciated because they are not partaking of this thing, these things of the world. And they become, as it were, self-righteous. Still the same today. And they, they would do that. And at the same time, they would tell men that you're not allowed to marry. Because again, to enter into a marriage relationship, it involved two people coming together. As the Lord had said, that Adam and Eve would come together. And again, that was evil. And so men were to remain single and separate. And we see that in the Roman church today. So all of these things, we can see our little bits and pieces and some are just flat out in our face where it's from the the, the, the atheist or the humanist and and they look at all the things that are, are, are around them and, well, there must have been some logical reason for it. And then there are those who are trying to find a way of what they can do religiously to please a God they don't know whether he exists or not. So now Paul is writing and he writes, that in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead body, that he in his body went to the cross and shed his blood on Calvary's tree. Now, John is writing it to the Docetic Gnostics because on the other hand, what you had was you had Gnostics who then said, well, since all this stuff is evil, let's then be hedonistic. Let's do all these things. Let's make the use of all this fleshy stuff. Let's, uh, let's be licentious in all of our ways. And again, we see that in society. And it's all right through. And so what the questions are and the attacks are and the things that come against us are as believers are all of these questions and people with their doubts and then came out of it again, the Docetic Gnostics. Now, the Docetic Gnostics were a group who were off Gnosticism. Gnostic is, gives the idea simply of knowledge to know. Gnostic means knowledge or no. Uh, Doceticism, or from the docetic Gnostics, well, it, meant to, it really means to seem, S-E-E-M. And so what they were saying was, since evil, or, pardon me, uh, materialism is evil, the flesh is evil, and all to do with us is evil, then they were saying, Jesus didn't and couldn't come. God could not be reconciled uh, to, to man on the earth In a human body because it was evil. But you see, they were taking things the wrong way. We're going to look at it in a few minutes. Because they weren't looking at it that the Holy Spirit was the Father. That the Holy Spirit done the parental act in a virgin called Mary. And it was his seed that was in the woman. And it was through him that Jesus takes on his DNA. And so he's birthed through uh, the, the, the birth canal of a young virgin girl called Mary. Now they're saying, no, this can't be true. It had to be by Mary and Joseph. And it is evil. So Jesus was not a full human. Jesus was not a man of flesh and blood. Jesus could not know how we're feeling. You know, he's not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, as we're told in the book of Hebrews. No, no, Jesus was either spirit or Jesus was spirit in another form. He could not be anything to do with this present evil world. Now, that's where they were. So John is writing this letter. Right at the beginning, he goes straight to the throat, as we would say, straight to the heart of the matter of what he's been hearing during this time. Notice what it says in verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Now notice this. John says that which was from the beginning. That which was from the beginning. Ah, says some of the Gnostics. Ah, uh, says the debater. Ah, says even the atheist. Ah, I thought he was uh, eternal. Ah, says those who deny the deity of Christ. See from the beginning. But they're missing something here. So if if he's from the beginning, we go back to John's gospel. John's gospel, chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So here John right away presents him as the word of God, God himself the logos, the representation of everything that God is, Christ is, and everything that Christ is, is God. And here he is represented right at the beginning of John's gospel. For example, if you go to uh, Mark's gospel and you get the lineage, as, as it were, of our Lord Jesus Christ, you just see him as a man of 30 years of age. He comes, as it were, exploding on the scene at at Jordan, the River Jordan, John baptizes him in the River Jordan at 30 years of age. No lineage is given. Then if you were to go to uh, Matthew's gospel, Matthew gives the lineage, uh, uh, the human lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he brings him down as far as Father Abraham. And so he says, here he is. He's down as far as Abraham. But then if you go to Dr. Luke, being a little bit more meticulous as a doctor, he brings his human lineage right down to our father, Adam. And there we find he he comes from Adam through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, Judah, David, and so on. But here is the lineage that's given to us. Mark, 30 years of age. Matthew uh, to Abraham. Luke brings us to Adam. But John brings us further back again. And he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the same as in the beginning with God. He brings us right into eternity. And here we have the Spirit Word, He who is with the Father. Notice here, and he says, And the Word was made flesh in verse 14. The Word was made flesh. We'll look at it, God willing, in a moment. So here the Word of God is presented. Jesus, He is presented here as deity. Not born of Joseph. Yes, born through the virgin's womb. But born of the Holy Ghost. The parental act of God. Notice this. In verse 3. He then brings deity into humanity. Deity and humanity comes together. And deity and creation. So he says, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So what John is saying is all things that were made, were made by the Lord Jesus. That he is eternal. That he has not started at, uh, at the creation of the world. Neither has he just started at Bethlehem, for that's when his flesh body was, cre- was uh, birthed at Bethlehem. But notice this. What he's saying here is right back into eternity, as creation is being spoken forth by the word of God and the worlds are being framed he was there, which means he's before that, which means he's in eternity, which means he is eternal. And so John is saying these things. He says that all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Then he says, in him was life. Now here's the eternal life. Look, 1 John chapter 2, pardon me, First John chapter 1 verse 2 says, For the life was manifested. Notice, he's the word of life at the end of verse 1. For the life is manifested in verse 2. And so here we see this life. He says, in him was life. In other words, he's the originator of life. He's the giver of life. He's the bringer forth of life. That life is within him. He is the self-existing eternal God. The one who brings forth life. In him was life. And the life was the light of man. His life Lights us up. His life in us illuminates us and quickens us. It's his life that keeps our hearts going, living for Christ. Notice, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Strange thing here is, always remember, Christian, darkness only exists where there's an absence of light. Darkness only exists when there's an where there's an absence of light. When we come into this room, it was dark. you turn on the lights. There's no more darkness. And you turn them off again, darkness will exist again. Darkness only exists where there's an absence of light. And ye are Christian. You are believer. The light of the world. Christ has given you His Word and His Spirit, and you're washed in the blood. So you are the light in the dark place. You might find your workplace or wherever you are or however, whatever condition you find yourself in, whatever position you find yourself in, you might say, well, I'm, it's very dark around me. Do you know the light shines brighter in the dark than it does in the day? If you strike a, a match or a light a candle or even turn on a torch in, in the bright sunlight, you can hardly see it. You can look at it, but you turn it on in the dark, The exact same one. And you're going to find that it lights up and illuminates. So darkness only exists where there's an absence of light. And the light shineth in the darkness. The darkness could not comprehend it. The darkness can't overstand the light that's in you. That's what's wrong with the people outside. They see the light of Christ in you. They see the light of God in you. For example, whenever uh, the Lord Jesus... Uh, he he asks his disciples, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? That's uh, Matthew 16. Some say thou art Elias, and some Jeremiah, some John the Baptist, or one of the prophets. And he says, Whom say ye that I am? Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Blessed art thou, Simon, bar Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Do you know what the Son of God was saying? He was saying that the Father through the Spirit has shown you his Son. He's saying the Father through the Holy Spirit has shown you who this man is in front of you. And so it's, it's, that, it's that quickening, it's that light, it's that regeneration that draws a man and a woman to Christ. And so we can understand more than even those who are in very intelligent And academia, uh, they're they're very well, highly thought of. But even we have more of an understanding of matters outside of our own selves, our own universe, as it were, because we know through the scriptures that God has created it all when man is trying to find out the reason for creation. Notice here again, listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. Actually, in in Hebrews 1 and verse 11, where it says, They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they shall wax so as doth a garment. This is taken from Psalm 102 and verse 26. So the Hebrew writer is taking it over and using this. And then it says, As a vesture thou shalt fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy ears shall not fail. Notice it says that the, the heavens and the earth shall be changed. Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3 and verse 13. Notice what he says. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So when the Lord Jesus returns, there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. He's going to change all of it. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth where there is no evil existence in any creation. No evil existence in any part of it. No evil existence from heaven to earth, from earth to heaven. Because when he creates a new heaven and a new earth, we won't even have our flesh bodies anymore. Because when he returns, we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Notice, we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. So all of this will be changed. But since or until that time, God who is holy came down as a man. He came down, pardon me, into the body, was birthed as a man and he lived as a man. And in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he went all the way to Calvary to redeem us with his precious blood. To take us and to rescue us from this present evil world, as the scripture tells us. So these Gnostics are trying to work all of this out. And the ungodly can't grasp hold of it. But you and I, we have it. God said it. That settles it. We have it. And we're glad for it. And so notice this here now. So here we have he who is eternal. It says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth in Genesis 1 and 1. John says in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. But in 1 John 1 and verse 1, it changes slightly. He says that which was from the beginning. Now notice, so the beginning, as I said. It characterizes the absolute and divine word as he was before the foundation of the world. At the foundation of the world is from the beginning. So here John is saying in his gospel, he's before, he's eternal. Takes on the body of flesh to reconcile, to redeem his own seed, to redeem those whom the Father had given to him. Now I notice this, from the beginning characterizes the development of God in time with his people or with humanity. In other words, the development through revelation of his names. He's Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom and all of those names. I mentioned it last Tuesday night, so we'll not spend too long on that. And here he, he, he was showing his character through his names. He's called the Word, the Logos of God. And the Logos was was believed to be in, in the Old Testament, the, the, that uh, the theophany of God that came down, the Word came down or spoke to the prophets. The prophets were used as the human vehicle or the human vessel. The vocal cord and mouth of the prophets spoke on to Israel. And he, they told Israel of God, They told Israel of his glory. They told Israel to worship him. And they told Israel of a coming judgment. And so the word was a go-between, as it were, God coming down through human form. That is, to write the very books that we have in the Old Testament. But the Lord Jesus Christ, as the Logos come down in human form, the Logos before came down and was moving the human form and speaking to the human form, now he is in human form. Not just dropped into a human then comes out again. I'm going to tell you something about that in a moment. But he was everything that the human was, was God. And everything who God was, he was when the human. Notice here, he had two natures. Fused, but not confused. And notice here, in the beginning, gives the idea, or in the beginning, uh, that pardon me, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard and seen, it gives the idea of he starts to reveal more and more the things of the Almighty God. The Son starting to reveal the Father. The Father starting to reveal the Son through the Spirit. And we can see how God is revealing more and more. Notice God's names showed a revelation. God's works showed his revelation, his power and his might, and his miracles showed the revelation of God. So that which was from the beginning. Notice here, John in John's Gospel shows Christ as deity in humanity, the incarnation of divinity, the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the Son of God, the incarnate Word. But here in 1 John, what he's doing for these docetic Gnostics, he's showing, first of all, the deity and humanity, and then like an explosion, he turns on, as it were, the humanity of Christ. We've seen him, we heard, we touched him, we felt him. We have looked upon him. He's a man, he's human. God, who is holy, has come down here and he's taken on a body of flesh And so what he's writing here is, don't be swayed by those who say that Christ is not God. And don't be swayed by those who say that the man Christ Jesus is not deity. Don't be swayed by those who said, think of the groups in the world today who deny the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And John goes on to say that these are the spirit of Antichrist. Any man that denies the deity of Christ is is saying it's through the spirit of Antichrist. Notice here, we're finding here that John is showing him his deity then exploding into humanity, which showed out the form of God through the person, the man, Jesus of Nazareth, the man of Galilee. I think it's powerful. I think it's amazing. And think of him when he hung on the cross. When he bled and died on the cross. That's who they crucified. And that's who went all the way for you and for me. To redeem us. To cleanse us. To wash us in his blood. And men are trying to work him out. Men are trying to to do ritual and religion. To try and please God. And without faith. Can't please God. That is faith in his son. And the work of the cross. Notice here. One time, uh, we're looking at this docetic Gnostic. So John's writing this here because the docetic Gnostics were saying "dokio" is the word for for docetic. And what they believed was that uh, they believed that means to seem. It seemed like Jesus had a body. It seemed to you there was a resurrection. I think of the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Russellites as, we would, as maybe the, the better translation, for they follow the teachings of Charles T.S. Russell. Uh, but but they, 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 they deny the bodily resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That The sad Gnostics denied it too. Islam denied it. And, and, and Judaism denies it. And, uh, and, and many others deny it. And even in the ungodliness of the world deny it. The bodily resurrection is, is, is one of the central foundational principles of our faith. Because if Christ isn't raised, then we're all still in our sins. we are become, of all men, most miserable. Notice here, uh, there was a, 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 a story of uh, a man called Cerinthus. And Sarinthus was entering the church. And I'm told John, uh, the Apostle John, uh, in, in the city of Ephesus... John went to the Isle of Patmos and he wrote the revelation of Jesus Christ, as we know, and he was released from that island. And later, in latter years of his life, he was the pastor uh, of the church of Ephesus that we read of in the scripture. And there was a man called Cerinthus who was in uh, Ephesus at the time and he came from this line of ascetic Gnosticism and their teaching. It seems you know that Jesus rose from the dead. It seems you know that he died for sins, or it seems you know he was in a flesh body. It seems you know that he rose uh, flesh, uh, in, in this flesh body again. It seems you know. And this was the debates, apparently, there was quite a, church history talks about debates that went between Serenthus and John. But John had, and this is my title for tonight, John had a first-hand experience of Jesus. You see, if, if, the, if the apostles hadn't have saw him raised from the dead, if they hadn't have sat with him and talked with him, if they hadn't seen him ascend. And let me ask you a question and put yourself in their position. Would you have died for someone who was a con man? Would you die for someone who said... Who he was was the son of God. Would you die for someone like that who said he had, ra- had been risen from the dead but really he had swooned on the cross and hadn't risen from the dead at all but rather it was a con artist trick. Would you go to death for him? Because I certainly wouldn't. But you go to death for one who had ra- was raised from the dead who had died and went to the grave and has risen from the dead. You would go to death for someone like that Who has showed you like Peter in Matthew 16? Flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And what does he say? He says, Upon this, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, all the persecution of Nero and of Uh, Of pagan Rome and then even of the reformers and papal Rome's uh, persecution, right through the persecutions throughout the years Christ uh, is still glorified, Christ is still loved, Christ is still exalted, Christ is still believed on in the word and preached on, preached to and and this is the thing, because he's in our hearts and first hand experience of salvation is the only thing that saves a man and a woman you know we can tell you of salvation we can talk about salvation we can try and show you last 2 weeks ago an atheist came on to me from somewhere in England and he was online last sunday night right into the early hours of the morning with me and then he early the next day he was on with me on the monday and he's back and forward on all day monday And I gave him scriptures and I gave him church history and I gave him uh, different scientific facts and I gave him debates to look at and to read and he was away and back and I could not persuade that man. He was trying to work out creation and he was saying about evil and all of these things we're talking about. And so the man never got back at the end and maybe some other time he will pray for that man that that man will come to a saving knowledge of Christ. But nevertheless... The Holy Spirit must do the work as he did in Peter and the Holy Spirit must do the work as he did in me and the new Christian, he must do it upon those others to quicken them. and They must have a first-hand experience of this salvation that we possess that's in our Lord Jesus Christ. Cerinthus uh, said that Jesus was born of Mary and Joseph. And he says that Not only was he born of Mary and Joseph, but the Spirit of God came on Jesus in the rivers of baptism. And the Spirit of God left Jesus on the cross. So here he's just a man, and when he's baptized, the Holy Spirit coming in the form of the dove comes into him as though he's filling up a cup. And then the miracles happen and the life happens, and then on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me as Christ cries? And the Holy Spirit leaves him. Cerinthus was saying that he wasn't deity because deity and humanity or deity, holiness, and creation cannot be reconciled. Now listen to this. This is what John thought of it. This is in Ephesus, by the way. There were two early church fathers, Irenaeus and Eusebius. And they, are written, they have written down in their writings of a man called Polycarp. Polycarp was a student of John. And Polycarp wrote about John and himself going to the public baths that we know the Romans had and so on, where they would wash and sit and talk and so forth. Well, they had them in Ephesus too. And Polycarp and John went, and when they went in one day into these baths, apparently uh, this man, Serinthus, was there, and John, says, he jumped up onto his feet when Cerinthus came in and he said to Polycarp, Let us flee lest the building fall, since Serenthus, the foe of truth, is within. In other words, John was so agitated and aggravated in his spirit by this man who denied, denied the deity and the divinity, uh, who said that God just dropped into him and God flew out of him. Who denied his, his, very, his very work on the cross? John was agitated and aggravated about it. He wouldn't even sit in the public baths with him, for he jumped up and says, Come, because with a man like this, there's bound to be a downfall. And, friend, this is what's happening. And churches are allowing this stuff in because, and what's going to happen is there's going to be downfalls in assemblies and in churches that are allowing the truths of these things to be messed around with, to be played about with, because there are people and they want to take on the things of the world to be like the thinking of the world. In other words, to be pleasing to the world so they won't offend the world, so they bring it into the church. And now the church is like the world rather than the church going out to affect the world. Here John even wouldn't even sit in the public baths with him. Today would be called uh, names of, of that, we, we were, that we were too hard or, or things like that. So notice here, John says in First John chapter 1, and he says in verse 3, That which we have seen, which we have heard, declare unto you that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John saying you want fellowship with us, then it's the deity and the humanity, the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. In first John chapter one and verse two, it says, For life was manifested, and we have seen it and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Notice not the life became flesh here but the life was manifested. Because the word became flesh in John 1 and 1, 1 and one to 3, pardon me, and then we looked at 1 and 14. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Here it means the, 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 the life was manifested. And this gives the idea where the, the Bethlehem is an historic time fact in history. Here, the word being manifested is a, 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 an act of living. So one Greek uh, scholar that I read says it's like a a glass prism, like you get a pyramid-shaped prism, and the light comes down and hits the prism, but when the light hits it and goes through the prism, it goes out in different colors. The light is seen in different colors, and this is the idea that life was manifested, for in that body, speaking reverently of the Savior, was like the glass prism, and here within him is deity, and the manifestation of that was the life manifestations of the life of Christ, the law-keeping, the miracles, and the signs, the wonders, the teaching, all of these things, the compassion and the love and the mercy and the grace and the goodness were all like different colors, as it were of light coming out of a prism. The life was manifested. Now, that life is our light now, and that life which is our light should be then manifested out through his body, the church. The Ecclesia. Notice here the word became flesh, but various operations is that the life was manifested. Notice here John says in John one and 1, 1 John, pardon me, chapter one and verse one. I'm going to do this verse. I'm going to close that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. Of the word. Of life. That which we have heard. In other words John heard the words of deity. Through vocal cords of humanity. John was the one who was the youngest of the disciples. He speaks of himself in his gospel. In the third person. The disciple whom Jesus loved. He leaned on his breast as it were at supper. Leaning on the floor. Not sitting like uh, the Vinci's picture where he's some effeminate uh, looking, girlish looking, leaning on the the, the, the the breast or shoulder of Jesus. That's not the idea of this. They leant on their left arm along the floor. As they leant on their left arm, they act with their right hand. And it was in a U shape. And as they act with their right hand, who was behind him? But Judas Iscariot. And the reason we're known is because here John is leaning on his left Speaking this way to Jesus. Over here somewhere must have been Peter who who beckons to John. Who's he speaking of? Jesus says to whom I hand the sop when he dips the bread. He doesn't give it here to John. He had to give it here. And we talk about the backstabber. The one who puts the knife in the back. Judas Iscariot was behind him. And so here we're finding here that which we have heard. John heard the heartbeat of God. He heard the very beating of the heart of Jesus. That just, that just brings my mind into places where I just think of the wonders of that. The tones of his voice, of, of deities that spoke the words into being, speaking through the vocal cords of humanity. I wondered what his, his dialect and his accent and, and, and his vocal cords were like. I wonder what that sound was like. John says that we have heard it. Notice here, the idea here we have heard. What did he hear? But he heard the voice of God. He heard the word that came to the prophets. And now he heard the word in the prophet. That which uh, the book of Hebrews tells us. God who at so many times in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers. Speaking of the old covenant, spake in time past unto the fathers hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. And so that Logos went, came down and spoke through the prophets. Now he comes in the person of his son. Here he is, a human man standing in front of uh, these people, speaking of the kingdom of God, teaching the word of God. And John is hearing the voice of God. I think it's fantastic that, that uh, there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. That's the same idea of the Logos. Yet he is now the mediator between God and man, The man, Christ Jesus, the Son of God. John says, that which we have heard. And this voice that he heard was the same voice that shouted for Adam and Eve when they had sinned in the garden. Now through human vocal cords, he says, I've heard him. The idea here for heard, and it's, it's it's a powerful word because it doesn't mean I heard it and well, I heard him one time. The idea here is, I have heard him and his voice, the sound of him to this day. And John's an old man now, maybe almost 100 years of age. He says, it means I have heard him and his voice is still continuously ringing in my ears. That's what this means. John's writing to these docetic Gnostics. you see, from the beginning, he's God now he 's in flesh, and he says, "And his voice is still fresh in my thinking. His word is still in my ears it 's not what the Word of God does to us that at times it comes to us and it 's still fresh in us as ever it 's new to us all over again when we read it, and we see things that we have never saw before. We hear things we 've never heard before, and it 's always running through our hearts and in our ears John saying that which we have heard, I heard him. I had a first-hand experience of Jesus. John was at the foot of the cross. Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. That was John. John was at the foot of the cross. John went to the tomb whenever the body was resurrected. John was the one who'd who, who seen him on the shore while they were fishing all night in, Ga- in Galilee when they thought he wasn't going to turn up. It was John who also was standing at the Mount of Olives as Jesus was taken up. John seen him. John heard him. And so that which we have heard, it's presently ringing in our ears. Notice, which we have seen with our eyes. It doesn't mean I just glanced at him. The idea here is to look upon and to understand exactly what you're looking at and what you're seeing. And John is saying, his word's still in my ears, and I know exactly who I was looking at, and I know exactly... What I was seeing. Who I was seeing. The resurrected Christ. I knew it was him. I could see it was him. John had a relationship with him. A first hand experience with Jesus. And then he says. Which we have looked upon. This word is, this word is interesting. Which we have looked upon. Uh, the, the, the word for looked upon here is the word. Theomai. Say, oh, my. and it's where you and I get our English word theatre from when you go to a theatre and, the, uh, and the curtains draw back and maybe the orchestra is in the orchestra pit and the, the, the players all came on and they all have their own parts to play and, and sooner or later you're drawn right into that play you're drawn right into whatever's happening there and the music's taking you bringing you right into it and so there's a beginning there's an ending and every player knows their part and someone has written it, when it would be, when they'd come on, when they'd come off, the costumes they would wear, and all of these things have all been by an author. That's what John means here. He says, which we have looked upon, Thryomai. It's as though when Jesus was walking and talking and teaching, when Jesus was doing miracles, when he's breaking bread and, and the loaves and the fish, when he was raising the dead, when he was healing the sick, when he was casting out devils, you know, when he caused the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak and the lame to jump for joy and to walk again, when he was doing these things, walking on the Sea of Galilee, John was there. And John says, it's as though he drew me right in. His word was like the symphony. That draws me right in. He says, I was captivated, captivated by Christ. And I was enamored with him. Oh, brothers and sisters, I think the church has lost their captivation of Christ. Many have lost their, their captivation. that he, he, he no longer holds that, uh, that part of your heart uh, that will burst for him, that will strive after him. Notice that we have seen, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Our hands have handled, and the handle here is, gives the idea it means to handle with a view of investigation. Not just we've, well we've touched them, it means to handle something, to get to grips with it, to handle with a view of investigation. Actually, this word in the Hebrew tense is found in Genesis 27 and verse 22. You can read it later because I'm closing now. Uh, uh, And it's when uh, Isaac and Jacob and Esau uh, uh, are are struggling over the birthright. And remember Isaac, he puts the animal skin on him with all the hair on it. Uh, uh, Pardon me, Jacob. And and Isaac is blind and he can't really see. And we're told he fiends. Thinking it's Esau, he feels for Jacob, pretends he's Esau, and it's, the same. He, it's He's handling with a view of investigation. That's what John means here. Jesus appeared and says, Handle me and see. Listen, for a spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have. He didn't rise as a spirit, as some say. No, he rose bodily. And he says, For a, fle- a spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have. John writes, And we have handled of the word of life. This is the word that was with the Father. This is the word that created all things. This is the word that became flesh. This man is the Son of God. This is the God-man, Christ Jesus. He went to the cross. He bled and he died for us. What else could we ever think of offering? Or what else could we ever... Think of giving or doing or adding to. What else is needed for one such as he to come into this evil, present evil world that he might take on a body of flesh, become our kinsman? In other words, he's flesh and blood and bone. Flesh of our flesh, bone of our bone. And he died on Calvary to redeem us with his own precious blood. What else do we need? Who else do we need? What else could we add? Nothing and no one. For Christ has paid it all. He went to the grave and he rose again the third day. He's ascended into heaven. He's interceding as our great high priest at the right hand of the majesty on high. And he is coming again soon. I trust you're saved. I trust you're ready. I trust you believe. I trust you're blood washed and blood bought. And you know Christ is your own Lord and personal saviour. That you have a first-hand experience of salvation. Found in none other and in nowhere else. But in our Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless you tonight. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for listening. And thank you for watching. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for everything about him. Thank you that you gave him that he might die for us. Well, thank you, Lord Jesus that you hung and bled and died in Calvary's tree for us. And there you shed your precious blood. We we'll thank you, Lord, for those of us who have repented and come under, by faith, the fountain of blood. We we'll thank you, Lord, that we're washed and we're cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. We pray, Father, if there's one who we'll would watch either now, whether it's in YouTube Live, Facebook Live, or later on, Lord. We pray for their soul salvation, Lord, and even someone, Lord, who would come on And Lord, that they would come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, bless your people and encourage us. We pray, Father, that you would have us together to worship in our several assemblies very soon, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would have us together to worship and praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Anoint us with fresh oil every day. We thank you we're sealed for time and eternity. Glorify your name and glorify your Son. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. The Lord bless you all. God willing, and the Lord's will, we'll see you 7.30 on Tuesday evening at our Bible study. God bless everyone. Good night.